At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, it's a Mackie and Judd production, but it's actually conduits of trouble times. Olga and Star Tribune sports columnist Chip Scoggins in San Antonio for the women's final four. Correct, Chipper? I am here. I got down, what is today, Friday? I came down Wednesday. It is Friday. Came down Wednesday and uh, did a uh, big profile piece on Paige Beckers here from UConn, former Hopkins star. And so we got the semifinals tonight at the Alamo Dome. Very nice. Hey, on on Paige, um, because, you know, certainly during the course of her uh, time playing at Hopkins High School, we all knew she was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is she better than we thought, though? Um, well, I think we all knew she was unique, but even Gino Ariama, I mean, you know, Hall of Fame coaches, coaches some of the greatest players in women's basketball history. Yep. He said that, uh, when he, uh, before the season, before the, the uh, players came on campus, he was thinking about how he's going to handle Paige. I mean, she's the number one, um, number one recruit in the country, but he thought about previous players, Maya. Diana Taurasi, Brianna Stewart. I mean, you know, they were national players of the year too. And like, even he said, Diana Taurasi, who's one of the greatest, you know, probably the five best players of all time, I would guess, um, didn't start as a freshman. And a lot of, uh-huh. even he doesn't start freshman typically. Yeah. Um, so she, at the end of the year she was, but she, she came up the bench. She said, well, you know, maybe that, that wouldn't be the worst thing for Paige just to kind of diffuse some of the pressure on her. You know, there's all these expectations and then they start practicing about a week into it. He's like, okay, yeah, she started. <laughs> <laughs> he said, she's our best player. And so he was surprised at how just good she was. And I asked him after they won the Elite Eight the other night, I got on the Zoom, and I asked um, Gino, who, by the way, which I found out, was called roommates with Joe Sensor at, at like Westchester, Pennsylvania. No way. Yeah, yeah, he was Joe Sensor's college roommate. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. Um, and so, but I asked him, I said, you know, when you're, when you recruited Paige, obviously you spent a lot of time with her and you got to see her play a lot, but having been around her, you know, every day of every practice, you know, the things that you learned about here that you maybe didn't know in, in recruiting her. And he said, she just does some things that are unreal. Like that, you know, just the, the presence and the instincts she has. Mm-hmm. And so I think everybody, um, you know she's great, right? When you you just yeah. you watch her in high school, you know she's great. But I think just that she was able to 
find another gear and even play, you know, at a higher level for the mm-hmm. best program in, in college basketball. I think that's kind of taken everybody a little bit uh, by surprise. Yeah. It's how quickly, right? Like, like you yeah, knew that she yeah, was going to be quickly. great, but I mean, as a freshman, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who don't step in and, and do this immediately. Well, no, I mean, I think everybody, you know, I, I you knew she's, well, I can't say I knew she'd star, but it, I mean, Judd, that's the thing about their team is they have seven freshmen. No, no seniors. This is all freshman team. I mean, they have some juniors that contribute, obviously, but it's basically freshmen. Um, but, I mean, think about this, Judd. She is the first uh, freshman in the history of the women's game to be the national player of the year. So this does not happen ever. Right. And so, yes, I mean, to, to say you, anybody predicted this, I, I think they would be lying. Yeah, I because mean, it's incredible. Now, here's my question for you, okay? Mm-hmm. So, let, Chipper, let's do some long-term planning here. If you are a certain WNBA franchise that is based <laughs> in the Twin Cities, okay? Yes. And this kid is a freshman, and I believe I believe women have to play, ordinarily they play three years, is that correct? Yeah, it's it's weird, and we I looked at this this rule a hundred times and even checked it with people. Uh, Mike Rand and Kent Youngblood helped me out with it, that – you have to be 22. You have to turn 22 in the calendar year of the draft. Okay. So because she does, she'll be 22 that October. I, I believe it's what 2023. Mm-hmm. She will be 22. Kind of like uh, Amanda Zowie was in the same situation. Amanda Zowie B. Yes. Zowie B. So I think she. We think that Paige can come out for the draft after her junior year. Most uh, most of them uh, stayed through their four years, but. We believe, because of the way her birthday falls, that she's going to be able to come out after her junior year. So two more seasons. Okay, because I, I was just going to play this out a bit and say, if I was a certain WNBA team in this town, I don't know, uh, and I'm usually really good. <laughs> I, don't yeah, know how, I, know. <laughs> I don't know how I would arrange this, but it seems pretty damn imperative that this kid, who I'm sure will be the top pick in her draft, yeah. Uh, it seems fairly imperative that I get her on, on my team because there's no question she would sell tickets here. Oh, God. No so question. She's going to sell tickets wherever. And that was part of my story today, Judd. So between – she's kind of this phenomenon in, in the sense that obviously very skilled and does things that you know few players can do on the court. But she grew up in the digital age, right? And she is a social media – Giant. I mean, between this is so Instagram, yeah, between Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Which you know, I, I understand Twitter. I don't really understand TikTok and, and, and Instagram. But she has a million followers, Jen. Wow. On Instagram, she has seven hundred, almost seven hundred fifty thousand followers, including Drake the rapper, professional athletes. So she has this social media presence. And I actually talked to a. There's a company called Open Doors, and they 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 help athletes. Um, monetize their social media brand. They work with the NFL, in, uh, NBA, PA, a lot of colleges. And so I don't, it's, it's foreign to me because I'm an old guy like you. Yeah. But I talked to the CEO and he said that, you know, these athletes that have a huge social media following, if they just did, he said if, if Paige just did one tweet, like he used Wilson basketball, for example. Uh huh. If she just did one tweet and one, um, Instagram post, you know, I use Wilson basketball. They're the best or whatever, um, that she should expect to earn $23,000 for that. When, when, when the name image and likeness legislation finally comes in, you know, 
I'm like, what? You know, it, it, yeah. it, but I guess these people, these influencers or whatever you call them, they just know that there's a formula that social media is just a huge money-making opportunity for people. Um, so that's kind of a long-winded thing of saying, yes, I would tank. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm asking you. Like, how do you I, tank? How? I would tank hard. And you're, 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 you know, if it is that she can come out after junior year, two years from now, you're going to see a lot of uh, NBA or WNBA teams really trying to tank to get her because she's a transformational player on the court and I would assume at, at the box office because she would be a big draw for kids. John, I had heard this, so I wanted to see it for my, myself mm-hmm. um, about Paige's popularity last year. And so I, I, I know her, you know, the former Hopkins coach, Brian Krause, really well, and he was telling me about this. And so I went and saw it. It was Valentine's night. Hopkins was playing at Wyzetta. And I had heard when they play on the road, it's unbelievable the reception and what happens uh, after the game. So I go and literally, I'm, I'm talking five seconds after end of that game, kids just run on the court, like from everywhere. And they just surround Paige and start taking pictures. And, you know, the rest of the team is going to the locker room and she's out there and finally had to get like a security to help her get to the locker room. And then all the, like the whole mass just moves right outside the locker room. And there must have been, I would say, 100 people there between kids and parents. And, and she stays. She would stay after in a Pretty much was on road games. Yep. But but there was a, uh, 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 it looked like a, uh, there was a girl there. She's probably like eight years old. And then she was with her mom and dad. So I introduced them and told them I was, you know, doing a story. And they're like, oh, yeah, we live in Burnsville. Uh, we normally go out on Valentine's Day as a couple, but our daughter said she had to see Paige. So we we came from Burnsville to Wyzetta, you know, have no connection just right. to watch her play. And it happened, that happens all the time. And she would stay and she would do TikTok videos with girls pictures, selfies, sign autographs. And there's in, in boys, uh, young boys there too. And she stayed until everybody got a moment with her and it happens every game. And so it got to the point where she doesn't, she wouldn't even ride with the team bus because they would, they would be long gone. It'd be, they, she, yeah. she drove separately. Her and her dad would drive or you know, a friend or drive herself. She would drive separately to road games because she would stay after for 30 minutes an hour doing TikTok videos with little kids or signing autographs or doing That's selfies. That's awesome. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, that it was is so like, cool. It was like a rock star. It's like, holy cow, this is. Wow. And the, the thing that's cool about that, I just really am impressed with her and talking to her mom and dad because, I mean, God, she was 17, 18, 19, you know, right. she's 19 years old. Like, right, your kid. Imagine when me and you are 19, you know. I wasn't doing that. I would not be able to handle that and just having that spotlight and just – but her mom said she's never complained. She loves it. And in my interactions with her, she does. I mean, I, I talked to her afterwards, and she's like, yeah, this is – and her mom had a great quote. She said, Paige understands that with great success comes great responsibility. And she just has taken this and just accepted it, embraced it, and had fun with it. And just a pretty mature, amazing uh, young person to be able to deal with all of that in that spotlight. That is an awesome story. I, I didn't yeah. I didn't know about that part. I, I mean, a, a couple c- coming with their kid from Burnsville on Valentine's uh, Day night speaks volumes well, about the uh, the um, appeal of the player. Well, and it happens, and you know, like the next game, uh, Carl Anthony Towns and like five Timberwolves players went to watch her play. Um, but the night I went to Wyzetta, so you know, they burn, and it happens that people came all over to Metro. But um, I actually sat next to. A guy from Woodbury, a, 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 his kids go to Eastridge, and, and I know him. He brought his uh, daughter, I think was a eighth grader or freshman at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they'd never seen her play live. They wanted to see her play live. So they came from Woodbury to Wyzetta to watch. And, and Cosgrove was telling me that that happens all the time. People would come all over the Metro. They'd find, he said it wasn't as, it was more when they were on the road than it was Hopkins games, but people would find where she's playing on the road and would go and just, you know, cause they'd read about her in the newspaper, maybe seen some sure. of her videos or whatever, seen her on TV and they just wanted to see her in person. Wow. So it's amazing. It's a great story. Know? Yeah. yeah. Did you happen to catch the highlights or hear about what happened um, in the, and yes, it's one of 162, the opening day meltdown, which really didn't start off well by the Twins in Milwaukee, Chip Scoggins, when Josh Donaldson pulls up lame with what they're calling a hamstring in the top of the first inning as the second batter after he smoked the ball to the gap in left center. So I, I was in my hotel room all day yesterday because I was writing the, the page story live, and it was you know got up early and was writing all day. So I didn't I didn't have Twitter open. Obviously, wasn't watching on TV. I was just you know tunnel vision on my story, and I had to do a, a podcast with the uh, Star Tribune podcast with Mike Rand. And so he he calls me and he tells me about Donaldson, and I thought he was doing like an April Fool's joke. Because <laughs> you know, it was April, and I was like, what? Like. A half inning? That's and what was it? No second batter. Wasn't even second a half batter. inning. Yeah, I mean, what was the every prediction about the twins? Like literally yes. every prediction about the twins hinged on what two things? The health of Donaldson and, and Buxton. Buxton, right? Yes, we talked about it. <laughs> half inning. You can't make it up. So it was and, and and I haven't seen any reports or anything, but remember we talked about this or did we talk about it where he was it a Twin sets or spring training where he's talking about he was changing the way he ran? We talked about, yes. Yeah, um, I think it might have been when he got to spring training. But, yes, he he talked Yes, he talked about how he had altered his running style. And we both said we have seen this movie before, and it usually doesn't have a successful ending. So you wonder if this is tied to that. Of course. Well, and, and look, look, they said hamstring postgame. That's what they said. Yeah. But, you know, as much as I like um, – Derek and Thad and Rocco, I think they're good guys. I really do like them. Yeah. They have not been forthcoming when guys are are hurt. So you can't yeah. convince me that this does not have something to do with the calf. And furthermore, I'll tell you this. Let's say they're telling the truth, okay? Let's say this yeah. has nothing to do with he's a 35-year-old player with a hamstring problem now. It's not yeah. like that's a break. Oh, whew, it's only a hamstring. Ham, we, we've seen hamstrings hold guys out for a long time. Well, and, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the you know concerning thing was, wasn't all the talk in spring training about how they're going to monitor and you know take all these precautions about days off and and yes. you re- they had a plan in place and all this and it lasted one at bat. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of money that you have tied up in a player that's got some major leg injuries, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say major is like an ACL, but I mean, this is, it's, you know. But it's chronic, right? Chronic. chronic it's chronic, which, is, which yeah. is a huge problem at 35. Yeah. Um, did, did uh, were you on the Zooms? Did Rocco give any kind of, I mean, I'm assuming it's too early to say what kind of timetable, but when you're talking about hamstrings, I don't think you just run back out there the next day. Uh, he said they're going to evaluate it today and there will probably be, so they're they're off today because of the break. Uh, that you have after yeah, opening yeah. day, and then they're going to play tomorrow. So, but I mean, I'm, my guess is he won't play till May now. Like this is a, I, the Twins have never been forthcoming about when guys, at least this current administration, when guys sure, get yeah. hurt. And look, 
when we're talking about chronic problems in your legs, like there's no workaround there. No. You can't and it's not like, oh well, if he could only DH, no, he got hurt running. So I don't know what yeah. you do at this point. Yeah, do they have injury protection on on contracts for baseball like Yes. That? Yes, they've got insurance. Because I'm thinking, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but based on what we saw last year, and he's hurt, you know, one inning into this year. Um, yeah, I mean, the chronic, the chronic nature of this is what's alarming, and I don't know how he gets around it. You know, how, how do you... I don't know. No, that's what I'm. I'm agreeing with you completely. I, you don't. Like, there's no so, workaround here. So let's assume he misses. Okay, probably best case, what couple weeks. Um, do you lose an O back there or Arise? Uh, well, so Arise is the super utility guy now, and, and he was uh, slated to start in left field yesterday, and they immediately just moved him to third and put Jake Cave in left field. My, If this is going to be a while, I think what they might do is they might they probably will call uh, Brent Rooker up off the taxi squad. So he's actually with them. Yeah. Um, promote him. Now, I looked this up, and he hasn't done it above double-A, but Rooker played some first base as well. He played; He's played 58 games in his minor league career at A and double-A at first base. I wonder Ooh. if you would have some type of arise would play a lot of third, but you could move Sano back there at times because he did play third base in spring training again, which to me is an indication they were preparing for something. And, yeah, then, Rooker, I mean, and then Rooker might be able to slot in at some first base. That, that was my guess. Like, if you're going to do that with Snow, wouldn't you just rather him say, okay, you're playing third. We're not going to go back and forth, back and forth like that. Because that's, Yes, I agree. Like, if I if they said, okay, Donaldson, you know, he's, he's done for three weeks. Um, I would say, if you if you say, okay, we're going with Snow, I would say, all right, Miguel, you're playing third base five days a week, you know, and not yes. every other day or something. Because like, I just think that would be too difficult. You know, I mean, you just open yourself for potential problems. So, um. Yeah, it's not good, Judd. <laughs> no, and and the meltdown chip, um, Alex Colome. Yeah, and you. I, I don't know if you it. saw. Okay, uh, take it back for it. I didn't see the play. So I didn't see any highlights. So he come he comes in with the Twins up at the time five to two. Okay, he gets the first guy to fly out to right. He, he gets two strikes on Colton Wong, um, and then he hits him. So now there's a guy on first, but you're still up by three runs. So you're in good shape, okay? One out. One one out, correct. So you're in really good shape. The next guy up hits a dribbler, and Colome, instead of taking the sure out, and, and Kristen Yelich is on deck. Instead of taking the sure out at first base, he goes for the double play and makes a terrible throw and pulls Polanco off the bag. So now, instead of two outs and man on second... You've got one out, and it's first and second. Yelich is up, which is a major. He he then hits a screamer uh, that looked like it was going off the bat, but it wasn't. In fact, Kepler probably should have caught it, but it was a tough play. So Kepler drops that ball. So now, so now you've got one run in, two men on. The next guy, um, the next guy hits a ball to Sano at first. He throws to Colome covering for the out. So now you've got two outs. You're in pretty good shape. And then Travis Shaw comes up and hits a double, and now it's tied. Yeah. Mm. Why don't you take the sure out in that situation? Nobody knows. I mean, if Yelich hits a home run, you're still winning. Correct. And, and you know, I, as I listen to that, 
the hell are they doing spring training? Go, <laughs> I go don't golfing? know. I, mean, I have no idea. I mean, isn't that what spring training is for? For yes. to to uh, go over situations? I mean, P- PFP, pitcher's fielding practice. It's been around since, you know, baseball started. Well, and and that's, that one just seems, even on first guess, I mean, that's just fundamental baseball. Get your out, you're, you get two outs, and, you know. I, I don't know. Did, I assume Rocco protected him, huh? Uh, Rocco did say he has to, that that our guy has to throw it to the right. Is Rocco ever going to criticize anyone, any player, any that happens? Not like we want. No, no. I mean, the closest he he gets is saying we need to throw to the right base. He took a shot at Rosario in Kansas City last year when he threw to the wrong base because I think that that drives Rocco rightfully so crazy. Yeah. But is Rocco ever going to really criticize a player like he probably well, could and should? Absolutely not. And I understand it's opening day and it's a new player, so it's probably not the time and place to come in but and turn over it. What did you do if Rocco came in and turned over the buffet table? But you're right, though, Chip. Table I mean, a new, what, a new did you do? <laughs> what did you do in spring training? You're right. Like, well, that's the thing. Go like, to the right base. Were they golfing? Or what are, did they, were they paying attention? And, you know, I mean – that just seems like that would be if you're coming out of spring training and you actually were putting in work and doing the things that you talked about, how hard you're working to get your work in, you know, um, in game one, you throw to the wrong base or don't take the sure thing. I don't know. Well, that's a bad loss. It's a terrible you know, loss. As, as Royce would say, it's a bad loss. And here's the other thing. And you, you were saved from witnessing this part of it. That game took four fourteen chip. Yeah, four, and how I know many, it's opening day. How many day. relievers do we have? I know, I know it's opening day, but for but I had points in that game where I'm like, I might not make this. <laughs> uh, the Brewers used one, two, three. The Brewers used five, including in the tenth with uh, Josh Hader. The Twins used one, two, three, four, five. They used six, including Dobnik, who then get, gave up what eventually was the uh, or what was the winning hit. You know what's funny, Judd? <sighs> Or 14. Opening day, we're just like, ah, opening day is the greatest thing ever. I love opening day. <laughs> One day later, he's like, this fourth dad is too long. <laughs> I know. But how, but how about... Days are too long. But how about 414? I know. Like, that's, that's absurd. This is what we've been talking about. Like, how do you do this? How do you... I. You know, the thing is, they, they can put all these rules in, and, okay, it speeds up five minutes. Okay, it's four minutes, four hours, and five minutes. You know, yeah. it's still, it's still, too, it's just the nature of the game. Exactly right. You know what? The the one thing, and I had forgotten this when when we went to the tenth yesterday, and I said, "Thank God, I had forgotten that we are still putting the guy on second base to start I the tenth. Like oh, I like it, Judge. I love it. It creates it chipper. It creates strategy. It creates yes. a ton of strategy. The only the only backwards thing about baseball is in the same game. That you you've got this progressive rule that some like and some hate about putting the guy yeah. on second to start the tenth. It you're also playing in a National League park, which means Nelson Cruz can't play I know. because pitchers. So like in one hand you've got baseball from 1925, and on the other you got hey modern baseball. <laughs> like it can't even decide what it wants to be. That's true. I forgot about that. Well, I would hope in the next. When you know after their work stoppage, after a long projected yeah. strike that they're yeah, going, we won't be having opening day next year. Don't worry about <laughs> that, it. Um, that Universal DH comes back, and it's funny that like the putting a runner on second. At first, I thought, eh, this is kind of silly. Yep. You know, before before I actually saw it last year, I was like, eh, that's, that's dumb. 
but then like I saw it put into practice and how, you know, do you bunt them over? Do you, you know, whatever um, the strategy each manager takes. I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. You know, I kind of like it. No, it's great. It's great. So, and, so I, I assume this is going forward. I mean, it's yeah, it'll it's stay. Every CBA, it'll, it'll stay. stay. But um, you know, if it if it does cut down on sixteen inning games, I'm all for that. That's what I was going to say. I can't tell you because when when we got to the tenth in that game yesterday, my guess is that we were at you know let's say four oh two, right? Mm-hmm. I said to myself. If they don't put a guy on second here, we're going to be here for five thirty-three, and I want and it's the opener. I want to watch it. You know, it's important to yeah. watch it. So anyway, hey, what's how did, your, uh, how did my Ada do? Uh, he was nibbling way too much. He didn't really have his best control. He la- let's see here. He lasted four and a third, gave up six hits, two runs, one earned, two walks, five strikeouts, um, eighty-eight pitches. He was definitely not as sharp as you ordinarily saw him last year. So, but I mean, it's one game. It, it's yeah. it's opening day. It's his first opening day. It's one game. Like yeah. on that one, I can't He'll work up fine. any excitement. Yeah. But it is funny. Like you know, he was unhittable at spring training, first game out this, and then Max Kepler couldn't hit anything at spring yeah. training. He gets three hits his first game. So it's uh, example number one million that do not read into spring training. Results and our friend Patrick Royce told me at least he's like Kepler looks awful. He really looks bad. I'm like, okay, I'll you know, I mean, it's Pat. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, to your point, three hits and he came up what in the ninth and had a chance for the cycle. So besides that, it was a terrible day. Hey, hey, Chipper, what's your confidence that the Vikings are going to do the right thing here or even can (laughs) offensive line wise? I would love to see the uh, air quotes above or air bubble above Kirk Cousins' head when he sees all these defensive guys signing, and then they bring back Dakota Dozier. Oh my God! Oh my, yeah. Let's talk well, about it, that. It, I mean, obviously, it's. I mean, if they do not take a left guard or left tackle in round one, <laughs> it might be storm in the building. I mean, God, and I, I, I did watch uh, Zimmer's uh, Zoom and. He was, I mean, for him to admit that he was down in the dumps um, to that degree about his defense, he's walking on air now, right? I mean, I got what I want. Hell yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yep. Um, uh, I mean, they're going to have to throw that entire draft into the offensive line, right? Chip, did you, okay, I watched it too, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Did you come away from that confident? And I know what you think they should do, and I, I agree. So I'm not saying this. Uh, to be objectionable to what you're saying. We're on the same page. But when you got done with that Zoom call with Mike, did you come away completely confident that they are going to take an offensive tackle in the first round? No, because he, he I think he's asked about it. He said, well, we can take the best player available. Yes. Which, if there's a stud defense in there, you think Zimmer's not going to say, I got to have him. Imagine him opposite Hunter. I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not confident they will because I think, to me, it just shows the – still the influence and the power that Zimmer has yep. in personnel, yep. you know? Yep. Um, I mean, he probably sat there for weeks after that season and said, you know, I can't go through this. We have to fix this defense and whatever it takes. That's what, you know, our whole focus has to be. Cause I mean, it's like, it's literally everything. That's all we've done is defense. Yep. They have not brought in an outside free agent on offense. Well, and the, the other thing is, John, like anytime he's asked about it, he's like, well, our offense is pretty good. 
I mean, we were six and yes. it's like, yeah, but you were like had one of the worst offensive lines in terms of grading out pass protection, right? I mean, where did all this? Uh, his favorite website, Pro Football, had him. Focus had him again down towards the bottom, right, in pass protection. Yes. So how he could watch? I mean, yes, they put up a lot of points, and it was a, it was a good offense. But with the personnel that they have, mm-hmm. should be a great offense. Yes. And the entire league now is really geared towards ma- making your offense as good as possible. Yeah. That's I what mean, the league's about. When you, when you have Dalvin and Jefferson and Thielen yep. and their tight ends and a quarterback who's good, you know, you, you shouldn't just say, well, we have a good offense. You say we have a, you know, a great offense that's high scoring. And so, uh, cause they were, uh, what, 12th in scoring? This year, I think, like that. They 11th. were 11th yeah. in scoring, and I think, and what they were in yards, they were higher than that. Yeah, but but let's go by points. I mean, yeah, 11th, I okay, that's a good offense. 11th is good. Yep. But it's not top 10, which, and, you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, he, but it's funny. Anytime you ask about the offense, he's like, nah, we were good. We got, we put, you know, we're really productive and put up a. And he throws running. out names. He, he He's like, <laughs> yeah, we, we got O'Neill, and we got, uh, and we got, um, Udo, Udo and, and we got and we got <laughs> Cleveland. Um, yeah, I just I came away from that call saying saying to myself that my beliefs have been confirmed, and yeah. that is he he watched that Saints game on Christmas Day from the sideline and said mm-hmm. never again. And yeah. and and I don't think I, I mean this this sounds crazy to say about a guy that coaches a team, but I don't think he's concerned or even thinks about offense. I think he leaves that to other people while giving marching orders that are we got to get more defense we got to get more defense we got to get more defense i mean and your your point is a thousand percent right when you bring back and leave the temptation that dakota dozier could play mm-hmm. what message are you sending well i still think zimmers he ain't changing what, nope. what's his model defense special teams time consuming ball control i mean he thinks that is how you win and He's just convinced, I think, that they would be a playoff team if their defense was any good last year. And so. Yep. Because he thinks the offense is good enough. What he doesn't understand. Good enough. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But what he doesn't understand is the left side of that line. Or, or I'm, I'm sorry. The interior of that line. Yes. Was a, for the most part, I mean, Cleveland stabilized it a little bit, but it was a disaster. And, yeah. and, and it's all. And here's what I don't get about what's going on in what I would hope are the conversations between the GM and coach. If you put a guard like uh, Dakota Dozier back at left guard, or if you play this Mason Cole guy that they got in the trade with the Cardinals at left guard, mm-hmm. you are accelerating what already looks like a first round bust in Garrett Bradbury. Yeah. Like, you know, like if you plugged in a really good guard to his you'd left, you'd feel better about it. You'd feel yeah. better about it. Exactly. And, and so I I feel like Mike is in Mike's world. He's mm-hmm. concerned about defense. That's his that's his one and only true love and focus in football. And he sees the Vikings offensive components like a fantasy league owner would, which is well. Look, I got Delvin, I got Justin Jefferson, I got Adam Thielen, I got Irv yep. Smith. I think Cousins is pretty good. Um, unfortunately, in real life, there's something called an offensive line. <laughs> That I just don't I don't think he thinks about. I really don't think he thinks about it very much. Well, and the problem is, okay, we say, yeah, you better draft a left tackle the first round and, you know, a guard. Well, that player's still going to be a rookie, even though they're a first-round pick. So is Garrett Bradbury, right? 
it doesn't mean yeah. you're getting um, a all-pro player right at day one, you know, Ezra Cleveland. I mean, you you don't know what you're getting with a, with a draft pick. Um, you would hope you hit it right, but even if you hit it right, doesn't mean that player is not going to have growing pains. And so, you know, that's where the not bringing back Reef or not getting a, you know, really trying to get someone, you you know, a reliable veteran with the track record at left tackle just opens up, you know, a, a major issue along with the interior that you have to fix now. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how they get it all done in a draft. Cause I, I mean, I know free agency is still going on, but I don't know who's out there. You know, I mean, I, I assume maybe a veteran will still get cut for money reasons somewhere, you know, either the summer before camp that you might be able to, but that's a roll of the dice. So right. I don't think it's going to be like at the end of last year, I thought 100% offensive line would be the number one priority after because on defense you're getting guys back, right? Barr and and, mm-hmm. and Daniel and Kendricks and, and Pierce. But man, it's just, it's just it's an afterthought again, Judd. It definitely is. It definitely is. And I, I will say it again. Free agency started, is it three weeks ago now? Mm-hmm. They have not signed an outside offensive free agent yet. Like that's not it's not like, oh, they've sort of skimped. No, they just haven't done it. They brought mm-hmm. back Abdullah, who's their third running back. Mm-hmm. They BB br- got brought back as well. They traded for this Mason Cole, but and I mean he's he's a bad, but he's another Dozier. I mean he's a, he's a depth. Well, guy. that's that's the thing. You look at the things. It's like he's a fringe starter, right? I mean, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, it's not like and he can play some center and guard, but he's he's certainly not a guy that you look at and say that's part of the answer to to your no, problems. You don't you don't say problem solved. <laughs> um, but, but Chip, I, I honestly think if it, I think what's there's going to be right now, draft wise, first round, there's going to be a run on quarterbacks, no question. Mm-hmm. There yeah. always is, and there will be this time. There's going to be a run on quarterbacks, and I think those receivers are going to go fairly quick because I they could be a run on receivers they, too, Judd. Yeah, they fit today's game, and Chip, you know what that means at 14. That means the outside pass rushing yep. in, baby. Yep. That's exactly right. Hundred percent right. And I, I really and I think Mike's gonna fight for it. I really do. I I can't wait for Twitter if that happens. I will <laughs> Vikings Twitter will just go berserk. Um at that point if you're Spielman, don't you say, Hey, I'm the GM. We are taking a left tackle here. Or we're taking a left guard. I do you think there's a do you, and I don't know this at all, okay? Do you think that at some point in time without us knowing or, Mike took over control of of the of the fifty three man as far as who's on it and who's not. I don't I don't know if I would say take control of it, but I think he just has such sway in the decision making. I think, um, I just think he when he start when he talks to Spielman about his vision and how he wants it to work. I think he's, for lack of better say, he gets his way. You know, yeah. Oh, he definitely I gets his he, way. I think he, I think he just gets his way, and so, I mean, because I, I have to think Spillman's. It's, he has to be thinking, I, okay, I have to fix this offensive line, right? I got to address this. But if if Zimmer's saying, you know, we can't, I can't have that defense again, and look how bad it is in our depth, and we got to get these, you know, because I, I thought they would be in the camp of, okay, 
getting Daniil back, getting Barr, getting Pierce. You know, the rookie corner, I, I did um, think that they need to go out and get a, a veteran corner, which, you know, getting Patrick Pierce was good. But I, I thought it would be more like there's they're solidifying that by guys that were on the, already on the roster that are coming back, you know. Um, but... No, <laughs> no. Yes, I, I don't. I don't know that he has. If if he's, you know, I still think it's Spielman making the call. But I think I just think he has so much influence over how that Zimmer has so much influence over how that's going to be, how the roster is going to be constructed. That it's become. Hey, this is what I want, and this is what I'm getting. Yeah, and he certainly has. But yeah, I I just I don't. I've lost. I've lost faith that the the line is going to actually be fixed because. I think we've said for about four years now, oh, this will do it, this will do it, this will do it. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't do it. And yeah. and and their problem now uh, is if if they don't get the right guards here, um, there's a fighting chance that we're going to get done with 2021 and consider Bradbury to be a bust. Because, I mean, he can run block, but you've can't, you, you can't be as bad in pass protection as he is and make it long-term. No, because that's where you look at, I don't know what the percentage of sacks were that came up the gut versus the outside, but um, it was probably two to one or three to one, I would bet, yep. you know, and just the pressure. I mean, how many times is it, was it just like they're almost on top of Cousins as he was backpedaling and the line just got pushed backwards. So, um, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. They need to find a guard that can really help Bradbury in those situations and, you know, make him look better. But here's what I, here's what confuses me too. So he didn't sign him, and he, he was not here yet when he got signed. But how do you, if you're Spielman, how do you watch as much of Steve Hutchinson at left guard as we all did Yeah, and say to yourself, I can get by? Like Steve yeah. Hutchinson changed the dynamic of that line. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Brad, Brad did a lot of things in-game that were goofy and might not have been right. But, like, his idea when he got here from day one was, I got to build my lines up. Oh, I, yeah. I got to build my – and he was right about that. But, I mean, they paid Hutch a ton to play left guard, which at that mm-hmm. time, you know, was not considered really a sexy position. It still is not. Um, yep. But, you know, Rick Spielman was here for a long time watching Steve Hutchinson start game after game after game at left guard. How do you come away from that experience saying, that Dakota Dozier will do? I just – it's so confusing <laughs> to me because, like, in being in, – in us getting to watch Steve play so much, yeah, I mean, it was well, he, damn impressive. Yeah, and and those lines were good. I mean, uh, yes. that, I mean, I know McKinney drove us crazy a lot, but he was pretty good when he was, when he was motivated. And you know who helped and, him? Steve Hutchinson to his yeah, right, exactly. And Lode Holt and John Sullivan, and I mean, I thought Anthony Herrera was a good guard. I mean, they had yep. that line. I mean, Childers did understand that's where it started, and you got to be good there. And, and you're right, Hutchinson just brought, you know, an edge, as we would say, to that to that group and. Um, that's just what, you know, I, I go back to the, the way that Reef played last year. I would have tried to bring him back. I mean, well, it, 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 it clearly wasn't going to come back at the money because he took a probably right. lesser offer, you know, right. but, um, but that was a, you know, that goes, that stems from the previous year and how he was, uh, I don't want to say treat is the right word, but, um, no, I think that's right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. They didn't treat him well. Yeah. I mean, so, they forced him to take a pay cut. But now, I mean, I, I'll be curious to see what they do at at, at left tackle if it's Cleveland or or Brian O'Neill. I, I assume it has to be one of those two, right? You're you're not going to put a rookie out there. Um, well, if you 
It depends. I, I mean, if they get the 14th pick and that whole – if Sewell fell to them, which I don't think he's going to, but if he no, did, he'll be gone. He'll if be he gone. did, I would probably start him. But, yeah, yeah I right now, if I was a betting man, I would say Brian O'Neill is your opening day left tackle. Mm-hmm. I would, and, then, and I would say Cleveland's going to stay at guard. Yeah. I yeah. just don't – Could you move him the right tackle? Who's that, Cleveland? Yeah, you could, you could, but I mean, who knows? Yeah, he's in a new position too. Yeah, these so. guys could try and put Rashad Hill back there for all we know. They just don't think of it like we do. Yeah. Unf- well, unfortunately it's... for them, and Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Oh man. Yeah, it's gonna be fascinating, man. All right, Chip Scoggins, I appreciate the time. Safe travels, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay. All right, brother. We'll all see right. You talk to you. Bye. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash bestmusic to get Live One Plus now. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 2. I could see beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air, the way it paints against skin and fills hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed, the way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.